I'm Simon Wright. I'm Declan Hill. And we are the Sitcom Mission. And uh, we teach uh, sitcom writing at City Academy in London. And we run the Sitcom Mission, which is an international sitcom writing competition. And we do podcasts. What we're going to talk about <laughs> is some common faults in scripts that are sent to us. And these are things that turn up over and over again. And thanks to the wonder that is this podcast, you won't make those same mistakes. Uh, let's start with number one, Declan, which, which is, is... Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Famously, uh, someone said of Waiting for Godot that nothing happens twice, but in sitcoms sent to us, nothing happens all the time. Uh, Graeme Linehan's famous advice about sitcom writing was make things happen. We wish they did. Yeah, if you look at Graeme Linehan's work, it, something happens in every episode, every episode... Th things get progressively worse. If you look at that pilot episode they did of, of uh, Motherland, yeah, um, it just gets worse and worse and worse for the central character. And she moves about, she goes places, she's chasing after something, she's chasing after just the even if it's just the dream of getting through a day with her kids. So she's a character who wants things. Absolutely. And she's prepared to go after them. She's not a character that's talking about stuff that's happened or moaning about life or, you know, or, or just sitting around cracking jokes. You know, these are characters that actually want something and they're prepared to go after it. They're prepared to take action. One of the things that we do with our students is we get them to beat out an episode of their favourite sitcom. And then they can see for themselves how much happens in commissioned work. And they're pretty amazed. And when, they, uh, when you look at scripts that get sent to us, uh, it tends to be either people talking about things that have already happened, mm -hmm. for which Declan coined this wonderful term, rear view sitcom. Nothing's happening because it already has. Or people talking about things that are happening in a much more interesting sitcom than the one we're watching. <laughs> uh, I've just read a sitcom set in a world in the future where people talk about things that are happening elsewhere. As a reader, you, you're left thinking, I don't want to watch this sitcom where people talk about exciting things happening elsewhere. I want to be elsewhere watching exciting things happen. If, it, it's either that or if, if things are so bad in the universe that they've created and they're talking about this universe where everything else is wonderful. But if so, things are so bad uh, in, the, in the universe that we're being shown, that we're, that we're witnessing, then make it even worse in that. Yes, you know, absolutely. You know, that's, that's fine if yeah. you're going to do that, but just don't have nothing happen there. Have lots of bad things happen. Make things worse, then make them even more mm. worse, worse than we say. Yes. We, we coined that and we're proud of it. Another thing that is a common fault in scripts sent to us is things only happening because the writer wants them to. Yeah, it's, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a misnomer that you, you are in control of your central character. Um, you're not. You're actually annotating what your central character does. You're in control of making things worse for your central character. And then you watch as your central character gets out of it. And if you know your central character well, and you know you've created a created a three-dimensional central character, then or even a two-dimensional central character would be good. Um, <laughs> then you know they they will they will get themselves into worse trouble, and then somehow they will get out of it. You know, with with a satisfying conclusion. And it may be a friend of theirs helps them get out of it, or you know, an acquaintance, or something they've set up in the in the in the beginning of the the episode has helped them get out of it. 
um, but they will take action in order to get out of this problem. And the problem needs to be stuff that you know you as a writer put them through. I think one of the one of the worst not worst things, but an interesting thing that happen is um, that writers are actually very nice people. There's an exercise we do with our writers in our students where we ask them to describe how their characters deal with conflict. And before we do that, we ask them how they deal with conflict. And we find that we're surrounded by really nice people who either avoid conflict, they walk away from conflict, they do everything they can to defuse conflict, mm. and this is exactly what you don't want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, writers are generally, you know, nice guys. Yeah. Um, you know, the peacemakers, um, people, people who, you know, just don't want to get into an argument. That's why they're writers, and why writers are quite often solitary people is because they veer away from the conflict. But we're not seeing, we don't want to see a writer. We want to see those characters, and we or we want to read about those characters that the writer is presenting to us. We, we don't really want to see the, the writer at all. Very often people bring in work which is based on people they know, and the people they know are equally uh, easygoing mm. and reasonable people, and this does not make for a great sitcom, a bunch of nice people getting along terribly well. If, if you think about... You know, great sitcom characters or your favourite sitcom characters—they're not, not particularly—they're not necessarily nice people. Yeah. Um, you know, the in, in IT crowd in the episode one, uh, Roy talks about him and Moss being yesterday's jam. <laughs> you know, this is the and and Jen comes and joins them, and they are yesterday. You know, we're the forgotten people, the 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 people at the bottom rung. We are yesterday's jam. I wouldn't want to spend much time with Basil Fawlty or Alan Partridge or Adina or Patsy or Rigsby or almost anybody you can think of. Half an hour at a time is fine. Yeah. Half an hour yeah. at a time is good that you want to spend with these people. At um, a distance. Yeah, exactly. You know, with, with a remote control in your hand. And another thing we're going to move on to uh, is it's really dispiriting when you open a script and the first thing you read is somebody speaks to somebody else without any description, whatever, of the characters. And as a reader, you have to fill in the gap, as it were, which shouldn't be there. So you're thinking, are they pensioners? Are they students? Are they the same age? Are they a different age? If they've got an unusual name, are they male or female? Often we have to wait to about page 10, and in the action description it will say, she puts the pen down, mm -hmm. and we realise the character we thought was male turns out to be female, after all. We, we are probably... Uh, gender biased in that we will, if you give us a character called Bill, uh, <laughs> we will probably think that's a guy. Yeah, you know, because we're guys, and uh, you know that's that's probably how we work. Um, if if it's if it's an essential joke that your character is um, is a different gender, uh, then you really sort of really need to let us know um, and. From, from the outset um, I haven't read the script of The Crying Game but I would be <laughs> interested to know if the big reveal um, which comes about halfway through the script is actually mentioned at the beginning mm, of the script or, good or point. not yes, interesting I would uh, um, but you know if anything that's relevant you, you know, really should be you know, a lot of it should be in the dialogue anyway but like Simon says, 
if I read a script and you know and I pick it up and the first thing is is uh, Ben um, sits with Bill. Ben says it's been great here, hasn't it? And Bill says it's been the best thing ever. I don't know where they are, and I don't know what, especially what relationship they've got to the place where they're they're in. Um, and and I don't know the relationship to each other. Let's have a look at the fourth thing that drives us nuts, and this is a something that's easily solved, more easily than the others, because it's simply spelling and grammar. Mm. And we're not the only ones driven nuts by this. Uh, we know that there are lots of industry insiders who, uh, some people, won't read beyond a typo. We read of one producer who reads to the first typo, which is pretty terrifying. Mm. But uh, Declan has a son, a nine-year-old son called Liam, and he created a document for us. And you know what he did? He spell-checked it. He made sure it was right before printing it out. And we get so many adult writers who don't even bother to do that. We'd probably say about two-thirds of the scripts we get are possibly riddled with, yeah. uh, with spelling mistakes and grammatical errors. And um, as, as Simon says, this is the, this is the low-hanging fruit of things that you can change, the things that you can affect. And when it comes down to it, you, when you're writing, you know, we, we're sharing stuff, you know, looking at who you're sharing your work with. Um, if you're sharing it with script readers, script readers, the only thing that we absolutely have in common or that you can absolutely control is the spelling and the grammar. You can't control how many scripts I've read today. You can't control whether this is my first script or my 10th or my 20th. You can't control whether I got out of bed at the wrong side this morning <laughs> or whether I've just had an argument and a Barney with my, my missus. You know, you can't control those things. So you can't control the f frame of mind that I'm coming in. You know, as a professional, I should be coming in with a positive frame of mind. Um, and normally we are. We, you know, every time we open a script, we really want that script to be perfect. We really want it to be the next Frasier. You know, we want to be able to find that because it's kudos for us. We will eat more if we can find that script. And we really hope it's yours. But if you're set, pre presenting it to us and you're sharing it with us and you're saying, actually, this is my work and I couldn't be bothered to spell check, yeah. it's, what, what else are we going to share? What, what, you know, in, in the time in the future, what else are we going to share? Something else that drives me nuts is not fact-checking. I remember reading a script and someone referenced Gordon Ramsay and they'd misspelt Gordon and they misspelt Ramsay. <laughs> and it's out there on the internet. You know, we all have this amazing tool where it's so easy to check things, easier than it ever has been in history, and still people don't bother. And we're left with the feeling, if you can't be bothered to get your work right, why should I be bothered to read it? It's, I, can, I can sort of understand it if you send the script to us at 23.59 on you know, April the 30th and it's right at the deadline and you still haven't done it. There's no excuse, really, but that's the only one I'll ever accept. Yeah. Um, or, you know, but if you're sending it to us two months in advance, um, first of all, don't, because you need to work on it, unless, you, unless you're working on something else. But, it, you know, be good to work on it for a bit longer. Uh, but also, um, please just go through the spell check and go through go through your um, uh, grammar. And if you're dyslexic, then get it in front of somebody who can proofread it for you.
I think it's a great idea to get somebody else to read it before you send it out anyway. They can tell you which things are clear in your head but aren't clear on the page. Um, we were once sent a script in which two guys were brothers and it wasn't clear on the page. It was never mentioned or even implied. The writer was quite amazed that we couldn't see this connection that wasn't there. You've got to make it explicit. One thing that came up um, when we did a, a workshop once, when we, were, we, were, we read a script and we had the writer with us, and we started asking questions to the writer. And she, she responded on a number of occasions, well, obviously, this is happening. Or, obviously, the relationship between the two characters is this. It's not obvious to us. <laughs> These things, if they were, we wouldn't answer, ask the question. Um, so I think that, once again, this is this whole idea of who you're sharing it with and how you're sharing it. And if that, those other people are asking questions and have read a number of scripts and they're not coming to something, you know, this is a whole new art form for us, um, that we're coming to completely blind and we've never been here before, um, if we're coming to it and asking those specific questions, then it's not going to be obvious and you need to be able to see it from our point of view as well. I think picking up on what you just said about a number of scripts, we beg writers to read. Read scripts. Uh, there are so many out there on the internet. That there's BBC Writers' Room for UK scripts. Uh, there's TV writing pilots for... American scripts, and they'll teach you so much about introducing characters, about formatting, about layout, uh, about structure. You'll absorb a great deal just by having the fun experience of reading sitcom scripts. Mm. And the other thing I would say is also, um, unless it says otherwise, I would put your contact details on the front page of the script. If it's lots of, so there's some competitions that say um, don't put your contact details on because they want to read the script blind. Um, we, we don't say that, so we really, it's really fine if you follow the BBC script writing format and put your contact details, so if you want to put your address on there, but certainly put an email address, if you want to put a phone number on there, that's fine, but put some contact details on the front of the script so that if we want to, we can contact you. I'd say email and phone number are essential. We're unlikely to write to you, but if you want to put your postal address on there, please do. For future podcasts, if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, email us at info at sitcommission.com. That's S-I-T-C-O-M-M-I-S-S-I-O-N.com. Info at sitcommission.com or... Or you can tweet us at Sitcom Mission, um, or you can go to our Facebook page and leave us a message there, uh, Facebook uh, forward slash Sitcom Mission. Uh, but just, just look us up on Facebook for, uh, for Sitcom Mission, and please like our page, and please like us on, uh, on Twitter. And uh, we hope to hear from you. Many thanks. Bye-bye.